21CL Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the program. I'm your host, Michael Boll, and you are listening to the Education Vanguard. Today, we're going to talk about entrepreneurial and experiential learning with John Bacall of Venture Academies. As education and how we educate changes, we seek out new models to learn from. There is a wide variety of change-making schools now, and Venture Academies is one of them. Today, I speak with founder John Bacall about how he and his team bring leadership skills, entrepreneurial skills, and personalized learning to a school of over 300 disadvantaged middle school and high school students. Enjoy the conversation. John Bacall, thanks so much for joining me on the program today. Thank you, Michael. Nice to have Venture Academies here, and uh, let's get going with, let's say, an elevator pitch. Uh, What is Venture Academies all about? What should people know if you had 30 seconds to a minute to talk to them? The world is becoming more um, entrepreneurial and, and open to innovation, and we are attempting to create uh, and to grow a learning environment that is uh, growing the potential of young people to be entrepreneurial leaders and innovators in, in the 21st century. And we are in the context of an urban public charter middle high school in the city of Minneapolis. Now, the idea of entrepreneurial education might be new to a lot of people. And so we, I, I think one of the first things I want to ask is, in practicality, like, what does that look like? What does an entrepreneurial school look like? Are there kids out making new businesses every day? Or are they, I don't know, how does it work? So our mission is to build entrepreneurs by developing the independent scholarship and leadership of young people. And so those concepts, independent scholarship and leadership is what we do every day. Um, so it's not just entrepreneurship or even not primarily entrepreneurship in the narrow business sense of that word, but more mm-hmm. the kind of mindset and the kind of, of, of soft skills uh, that young people uh, develop. And so, for example, uh, uh, beginning in the middle school, we, we have a personalized learning approach where students have increasing scope uh, and choice over the pace and um, uh, and methods of their learning program. Um, uh, we recognize that young people come from have have are unique individuals, have different um, interests and passions and needs, and um, and uh, that deserve to be heard and to paid paid attention to and supported. And um, we have a wide variety of learners, and, and no, learn, no two learners learn in the same way. Um, so building that independence, those uh, self-awareness, uh, metacognitive uh, skills um, that, uh, you know, where students learn to set goals and both not just long-term goals, but um, what their, their aims are for the, the coming week. Um, uh, where they they grow as scholars uh, and um, in again driven and motivated by by things that everyone needs to learn, but that they they could shape um, through individual projects um, and uh, uh, that they develop um, and leadership. Um, students have a role and should have a role mm-hmm. in shaping. Um, you know, contributing to the world and helping to make decisions 
um, and helping to improve their own learning environment and the world around them. So that's a huge component. So um, what that looks like in high school, uh, particularly our Mm -hmm. upper high school, 11th and 12th grade, and we'll have our first 12th grade next year, is um, a focus on internships, um, post-second, early post-secondary experiences, and passion-based, project-based learning. Um, uh, so um, students are encouraged, beginning in 10th grade, to have um, mm-hmm. off-site professional workplace internships where they uh, are guided oh, by nice. a workplace mentor. Um, and so students have worked in medical device uh, industry. They've, they've worked in nursing homes and healthcare institutions, uh, the state capital, uh, public policy making, schools, uh, wherever they, they find uh, have an interest. Um, uh, uh, and that's typically one day a week, sometimes two days a week. And that's um, been very powerful. For uh, for students, um, uh, a second thing is early post secondary um, experiences. So, um, being able, we are located on the edge of the campus of the University of Minnesota, and in in our state, students can take in many states, student, high school students are able to take college courses uh, for credit for free. Um, and uh, and they earn credit, wow. college credit, early. And when you consider that if you can earn mm-hmm. enough credit, you can actually um, finish a four-year college in three years, uh, or at least go to, if not, go to upper-level courses right away where, rather than taking the, the basic foundational courses, then that's very valuable. Plus, you're learning in a real-world, you know, mature environment um, outside of, you know, sure school. Um, and, and a third piece is we believe increase, particularly as students get into high school and upper high school, that student passions and interests uh, are very important to helping motivate them and, um, and where they can learn how to go deep and pursue their passions with rigor. And, um, uh, and, and so we have students who, um, you know, are able to do that and then to present their learning publicly uh, through, uh, we have uh, three times a year, we have showcases of student work mm. um, uh, evenings where the community comes in to the school and students present what they've learned or in particular projects or things that they're proud of. And, um, and that's part of, you know, having an audience beyond the teacher, beyond the classroom is uh, we believe very motivating. Um, so I, I hear I hear you talking about personalized learning, and that's becoming more popular in schools, international schools as well. But I, I would think, as an administrator, I would be wondering to myself, how difficult is it to implement that? Do I need teachers with a certain mindset, and do students who are new to the idea of personalized learning, where perhaps they've been told what to learn all their lives, how do they handle that change? Yep, you you've named it. Um, it is a different way than most of us have learned. Um, and um, I would say it's probably, you know, we're probably a decade away, hopefully not more than that, of, of you know, just 
when we think of learning in the future, we would think, well, how could it be any other way than personalized? Um, and it, the um, there's we we do use technology that we uh, participate in using the summit. Public, Summit Learning, which is a, a network of schools based in Northern California, but they have created a, a learning platform called the Personal Learning Platform, and that. But ah, there's cool. many, many different versions of it. You don't need to to use summits, but the, but it sure. allows students to fairly easily track their progress, um, and also to be able to take assessments in different content areas when they have mastered the learning as opposed to when the average student or when everyone in the class, you know, automatically, um, you know, either takes that test. It's, you know, move, it's a shift towards competency mastery based learning. And, and that platform mm. makes it more feasible for teachers to do. Um, for, for educators, um, you asked about educators and students. Um, yeah. It, Where do you find them? Are they special um, people? Uh, they are first of all finding the right educators every every school that's the most important work in many sure, ways yeah, and um, there's no magic we uh, look for people who we do take we include people from both traditional um, teaching backgrounds but also less traditional um, backgrounds and um, we look for people who uh, have a passion for not just a passion for learning, but a passion for young people and can relate to young people and their needs. And, and for most of our learners have struggled in school before coming to our environment. And um, what they will tell you and what I think a lot of research would indicate is relationships are ex extremely important. Sure. Um, they are not to be taken for granted. And I've had kids tell me straight out that uh, if they don't feel a teacher cares deeply about them, they're not going to learn from them. And that's just that. Mm -hmm. And um, that's uh, maybe in different ways. That's, you know, that's true in general, at least in, in this hemisphere. Um, and that, um, you know, in terms of inspiring the higher levels of engagement, that, that, that we're looking for, having that connection with young people um, and, and young people feeling they're seen, heard, known, listened to. Uh, is, and it can be as simple as a check-in, a one-minute check-in of how are things going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Not just like the, a lot of times teach, kids will tell me, I really appreciate that teacher that you have, not just because they're not just interested in me as like doing well in their math class, but they actually care about me as a person. Um, you know, what's going on in my life? What's going on at home? What are, what, what do I want to do after high school? Um, and, um, so that's, that's a high priority in, in, uh, who we look and what we, how we select people and, um, and then, who you know, because kids, kids know you can't fake it. Mm -hmm. Kids know <laughs> if, if uh, they know better than adults who, uh, you know, how. <laughs> and it doesn't mean you have to be cool yeah. and you have to be 
I mean, I'm a pretty nerdy guy and I have very close relationships with young people. And part of it was, uh, they've, they changed me. I didn't always have strong relationships with young people and the switch happened mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And as I leaned into coaching, you know, kids and particularly, you know, kids overwhelmingly have backgrounds very different than my own privileged upbringing and, um, and just listening to them and, and helping to understand their lives and, you know, being interested in, in, in their dreams, um, uh, you know, really opened up, um, the, and, and that, and that's true more generally in our school on staff. You asked about students, um, the many of most of our students have not had the, the most positive experiences mm-hmm. in school, uh, you know, not been successful in school. Um, uh, at least not after the, you know, elementary years where maybe it seems easier to be more successful, but, uh, or, you know, that adolescent transition can be turbulent in the best of times. And a lot of the young people that we have, have experienced high levels of trauma in, in their lives and, and stress and, uh, you know, in the home or, you know, elsewhere. And, um, one of our strongest student leaders in this school and who came with me to spark house had both of his parents deported before, by the time he was 13 deported to Mexico. And so he lived, he was homeless, lived on the streets and, um, you know, now lives with a relative, but, uh, he financially supports his family in Mexico from here and he's 16 years old. And he is wow. one of our most, one of the most talented young people I've ever met in my life. And, um, the, and, you know, at the forefront of our school initiatives, but he's been through a lot as have many kids in, in this country. And, um, mm-hmm. the, um, so young, at least for us, young people are, they're coming from somewhere that hasn't been as stimulating or as personalized or as caring. And they're looking for something better. Um, well, I, w- I was w- and, wondering about that. Yeah. I'm thinking like from what you guys are doing with the emphasis on uh, relationships and the emphasis on the different types of learning, unique learning that you're doing. You're a school of, you know, 6th through 11th grade of 300 or so, 320 students. Is it possible to replicate what you're doing in a larger school? Or does it really need to be smaller in the way that you have it that makes the f- development of relationships easier, I would guess? Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of three thousand, four thousand kid, um, you know, large, mm-hmm. uh, at least in America, large high schools. Um, I uh, so scale does give there's the diseconomies of of scale in terms of relationships and personalized sure. learning. You'll find some of the strongest examples smaller, but um, the but if I were and I have given advice to to district superintendents, like how do we do this in our system? And I would say, if you have a few educators uh, who really have a clear vision and want to do something special, give them the autonomy, maybe within a department, within a school or within a wing in a school. So for example, one of our colleague schools, and we're part of a network of 11 district and charter 
schools in Minnesota that are working together developing student leadership and voice. One of those schools is a large, comprehensive high school, 2,000 kids. And what they are doing uh, is, and it's called Farmington School District. Uh, it's a suburban uh, mm-hmm. district in Minnesota. And what they are doing is creating a school within a school called Tiger House, which is uh, their mascot. And um, they they don't even, they're building the plane as they fly it. They don't have, you know, a hundred page strategic plan, but they are, it will be a non-grade level based uh, personalized learning environment for young people, ninth through 12th, who want to be in a different alternative setting, but it will be in the same building so it can share in the infrastructure and the programming, but mm-hmm. in the core, core learning will have the autonomy. Uh, and that's, of course, very unusual to have that kind of deep innovation within an existing environment, but uh, kudos to their superintendent and principal. Uh, they're pushing it forward. Well, John, we're coming towards the end of our time here, and I always like to ask the future question. So you, you have what you're developing now, and next year you'll have your senior class, so you'll start the university process. But what you're doing now, do you think it's possible, or you think it will be likely even, that schools will replicate your model, let's say 10 or 15 years out, that we'll see lots of venture academies out there or things similar to it? Um, uh I think so, and I think we already are seeing lots of new innovative learning environments, more than we have before. There's, you know, we're part of just a larger community um, of, you know, next generation uh, schools uh, of, you know, the the um, uh, initiative that um, uh, Lorraine Jobs has started a, a XQ Super School competition, um, the yeah. next uh, New Schools Venture Fund. There's a lot of effort and has been um, uh, over the last half decade or so to to really see the creation of, of new or transformed learning environments, either completely new environments or uh, to to, to transform environments that may be fairly successful in conventional terms, but like test scores, but are actually realizing they want to go deeper with personalized uh, student-driven learning. And so they, we're certainly not the only one. I think what's, what's more unique about us is I think there's, we're going to see a greater focus we, we expect on student voice and leadership as co-creators and and uh, uh, and co-leaders of schools and in, in helping to to improve and grow them. Um, I think that that is I think will begin to happen, and and we're certainly we think it's going we're going to see a lot more of that. John Bacall, thanks so much for your time today and all the work that you're doing for our students. Thank you, Michael. This interview was brought to you by 21st Century Learning International. Find us on the web at 21clradio.com.